Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome back. This is Brian once again with the Foolishness Podcast. Yep, just a few episodes ago, we jumped into the story of my life and the question of what is the meaning of life. But today, I'm going to have my first guest on, so you should be excited about that. This is someone that I know very well, I've known for many years. I've had a couple of cats and dogs with this person, and I've had three children with this person. In fact, I've lived in a home with them for many years, and in fact, I've been married to them twice. My first guest of the Foolishest Podcast is, can you guess... None other than my wife, Tracy. Hey, babe. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> You're on a podcast with your husband. Is this crazy? Yes. This is better than I think on a stage. With my wife's pretty timid. And so if you know her, she says a lot less than I do. And she's rarely seen. And um, this is really though one of the reasons why I want her on this. This is such an important topic to us because this today is something that is very close to our heart. This is a topic that has taken rise to be somewhat of an epidemic the past few years in America, not only in the church, but also in the world. And what we want to speak to you about today, some you're going to be happy to hear, is anxiety. Not just anxiety, but even depression, stress, struggle, and sadly, what these things often lead to is suicide. So, babe, let's just jump right into this as my first guest, but I guess I'd say... If I was to ask you, why are we even talking about anxiety? Why would you be someone that is good to talk about it? Where did this all start for us? Well, I guess I would say that I think this topic is something that's important to share because um, we never realized so many people were struggling with it until it actually um, it came into our lives. Um, I think anxiety is something that's very personal in our lives because obviously for some of you that know me, it's something that I have struggled with personally. And so, and it wasn't until that we started talking about it and sharing with people that um, we didn't realize how many people out there are actually struggling with this. Because um, when, you, when you're in it, you feel so alone and isolated in it and um Sometimes you feel ashamed to share about it. Mm. So then when you actually do share and you you release the burden that you've been carrying, you realize um, how important it is to get it out there. And, and for you, what would you say was the, mm. the moment when you began to realize, maybe I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I suddenly can't sleep. I, I remember years ago when you were just simply stretching and I was in the garage and you just got a bit dizzy, mm-hmm. and even the thought of you getting dizzy made you feel anxious. Well, a couple of times you were laying in bed and said, babe, I really can't sleep overnight right now. This is having an effect on me. Yeah. So I think um, most people will say they've had feelings of anxiousness or stress or, you know, when they're about to speak or, um, you know, before an interview or whatever it is. That is, I feel like, normal like life. fight or flight moments. But then there's this feeling that um, that is just so much deeper and sad, sadly it's so dark. Mm. And um, I just remember um, when we were pregnant with our fourth and I was having these anxious feelings and um, 
they weren't normal because I wasn't feeling anxious about anything. And I remember um, even talking to you about it saying, I feel so anxious. And you're like, you have nothing to feel anxious about. And I was like, I know, but it's, <laughs> it's not something I can help. It's not something I can control. I felt fine. I felt happy and everything. And so when we went to the doctor, um, I remember the first thing they did is just want to prescribe medication and mm -hmm. something to help me not feel anxious during the day and then help me sleep at night. And then I was just like, no, that's not it. It's, I don't, you know, I don't want to put like a bandaid on top of what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I know this is because of something. So then they said, you know, it's because of all the extra blood in my body that's pumping and um, your heart is just working a little faster. So sometimes that can create women who are pregnant to feel anxious. Um, so then we ended up miscarrying and, um, and then I feel like from then is when it went to a deeper, darker place at that time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, those were some hard times that I didn't think, um, when you're in it, you don't feel like you're ever going to come out of it because mm -hmm. it's, um, just a, it's a hard, it's a hard place to be in. No, I remember, I mean, I just remember you having a hard time sleeping at the time mm -hmm. my mom had passed away as well. And, you know, we were thinking, okay, is Jude going to be our last then? Because now we've miscarried what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. There was a huge transition. And I just remember a whole bunch of like, am I going to be able to fly now? Your ears later on would start ringing so many doctors, so many visits. And I guess the reason why this is important to have my wife on because so many people are facing this. You might be sitting here saying, I don't know anyone that goes through this. Please. There are people all around you, you are not alone. There's no shame or guilt. This is something that is a part of life as we're going to unpack later on in this podcast. And I'd be willing to say that even for those of you who struggle with this, if I would have showed my own wife this podcast four or five years ago, she wouldn't have wanted to listen to it because she didn't want to think about it. She didn't mm. want to deal with it. And so part of what I've done too with the show is I want to engage people. I'm you know, very vocal and alive on social media. So I've even invited people to ask questions and say, hey, friends of mine or whoever, what would you want to know about anxiety? So have any questions, babe? Mm -hmm. So Jeff Kozak asks, what are some practical ways we can understand and talk with someone who might reach out with anxiety or anxiety attack? Well, you know, even being on my brother's shows who are here helping us with Joe, the One Story podcast, one of the things they fell victim to, like I did with my own wife, was we can just say, hey, have faith and pray, you're going to be good. But one of the things I noticed, as my wife just said, is that there's a darkness. It feels like you're suffocating. Someone just telling you good thoughts, even with the deepest faith, it's so true. But I watched her break out into tears at times of thinking of flying to England with me. Um, I had to step back. So what I would say was practical ways is to be engaging and loving and listen to what they're going to say. Mm -hmm. I'd say leading into this to answer Jeff's question is, you know, even at our church the past few weeks, I asked, you know, what was the end of 2018 to you and people in the church? It was great. God bless me. My marriage was good. We had children. I was engaged. I'm ready to steamroll into 2019. Praise Jesus. While for others, it was like, it was really crazy. Someone passed away. I was sick. Maybe they miscarried like we did. Um, and I guess what I'm saying is for all people, be it in ministry, be it pastors, be it the most biblical person you can find, some people are entering 2019 saying, I'm done. God, are you even close to me? Where are you in this? Why am I even wrestling with this? What I'm saying is my wife at the time felt pretty distant, feeling like, do I have faith? Where am I? What am I struggling with? And I guess for me, I'd just say, <clears throat> when thinking about my wife, it's 
you began to share with other women, mm-hmm. going to the beach, little Bible studies you do, or going and eating with your friends, and they began to watch, just unpack and share more things with you? Yeah, I think, I think the most important thing is to be able to just sit and listen to someone and let them just unpack and, um, and not just say, oh, you'll be fine. Think about something good, you know, because sometimes it's just not as easy as that. But sometimes just someone listening to you and understanding is what's very helpful. And then, yeah, I remember just beginning to share um, some just some crazy stories that were happening to me during that time of feeling so anxious. Um, And just even one that um, I share about being at Disneyland with my kids and happiest place on earth. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, and so um, they had wanted to go on the submarine ride. um, Don't say it. (laughs) I know. I I think I should share it. And so um, I just remember it's it was it's the Nemo ride now, and so um, or they might have changed it to some incredible thing by now, but some new franchise ride. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just remember being like, oh yeah, great. There's usually like a two hour line. There's nobody there. I was like, let's do it, and I'm fine. Like we're we're getting on the ride, and everyone's smiling and everyone's happy, and then all of a sudden they close the door on the submarine because they're going underwater. And no, mind you, we're not even underwater. Like you can fully see <laughs> that we're totally sticking out. Like you're not underwater, but it feels like you're underwater. But I honestly, I don't know what happened. But when they closed the door, I, I, I literally thought I was going to die. Like I was looking around, um, I started, my heart started racing and I hadn't gone to this bad of a panic attack yet when feeling anxious. I had just had anxious feelings like Mm -hmm. my chest was heavy a lot and I would breathe a lot and try and just like, okay, God, like, I don't know what these feelings are, but like you're in control and, you know, um, just kind of dealing with that. But this took it to like another level of, um, a feeling I didn't even think I could have. Um, so my heart is racing and I'm sweating and nobody knows it. Like my kids aren't like, mom, are you okay? In my head, which is even crazier of having this conversation with myself. I'm like, okay, you have to just relax. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm looking around I'm like everyone's smiling. No one seems to care that we're trapped underwater. Yeah. Everyone's totally happy. And I'm like, okay, little kids are happy. <laughs> oh, no. no one's scared except me. And so there's, I just remember these little vents underneath the window that were like shooting out air. <laughs> And it's like stuck my face to this little area. So if you guys are going to Disneyland and this happens, <laughs> stick your face in the vent. Okay, no, don't. You're fine. You're not really underwater. You're not going to die. And so I just remember like just breathing in the air when my kids weren't looking at me. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to be okay. And so at this point, I'm like, wow, this is realistic. Okay, this is, this is, real- this is my reality. So all I remember is then looking at the guy who's like driving the submarine and he's outside of the submarine, like above in, water, uh, yeah, above the water, just kind of sitting there. I'm like, I literally might have to run up there right now and just like tell him I need to stand <laughs> with him. But anyway, in that craziness, I was able to calm myself and just be like, okay, okay, I'm okay. Like this, it only lasted for, you know, a minute or something. And then I was out of the ride. 
But what happened was, is in that feeling, it created, it made the feelings worse because then that, I just became scared of creating that feeling again. Mm -hmm. So it kept repeating and repeating and repeating. But in in that anyway, as I was sharing with people, um, I have a close friend of mine who, um, we were at the beach doing our Bible study. Very bold in her faith. Oh yeah. She's amazing. Like she is so bold. Has a master's in evangelism. They'll go anywhere. Been around the world with me. And so she began never, I've never told her that story before. I've shared it a few times, but, um, not with her. And, uh, as she was telling us about some feelings she's been having these anxious feelings and she totally trusts and, and has faith. And, um, and then she began to share how she was at Disneyland and I was just like, there's no way in my head. I'm like, there's no way she's going to say, cause I knew she was getting to a story. And then she says, and I was, we went on the submarine ride and I was like, I just grabbed her. I was like, there's no way. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'll tell you after. She's like, okay. And so she began to share that she had a panic attack on the Disneyland submarine ride. But she, hers was way more intense. Like she was, her husband was like smacking her in the face or something. And like. And this girl zip lines, <laughs> surfs, and has oh, no problem she, with sharks. She charges waves like crazy. She's, she's amazing. But. I but it arrived at her, right? It just showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. Yeah. And it just hit her. Totally normal. Just, I mean, I know she's ha- gone through some things during her pregnancies too and stuff and afterwards with the um, postpartum. But um, but anyway, I was just like, wow. Like in it, all I'm trying to say is in it and when you share it and you you don't hold it in because I feel like the enemy just wants you to sit in it and... and like, and feel shamed yeah, or just weak and just or like, feel so isolated. aren't you a Christian? Shouldn't you mm-hmm. know better? And this actually played over to where, you know, what is the next best thing to a submarine? It's pretty much a plane. Mm-hmm. So my wife's taking this cylindrical object that's a submarine and now it's a giant plane. She goes, well, if I get on a plane with Brian for mm-hmm. 14 hours and this happens, so I'm not going to force my wife to do that. But even, you know, Chris at our church, Mm-hmm. said he had the same kind of feelings and anxiety and, and people do like when you talk about people doing mris or anything like when they have to be trapped in those capsules or whatever it is um but i don't know but what it revealed to you it, yeah. was to say that she had this heightened reality now that those feelings are there it's almost a traumatic experience and i guess what i'd say is as i've been traveling more the last few years i've encountered more pastors more staff more people who are crazy going through this. And even if you're someone that says, I don't have anxiety, well, guess what, you guys? You are going to encounter people that have anxiety, stress, depression, all such things, because this is what we see in the pages of Scripture. People don't realize this is biblical, so my point to those who are listening is, guys, what do we do with this? What do we do as believers? Do we come to faith and we never struggle? See, as a skateboarder, I go skateboard years ago to a 15-state handrail, and I make myself jump on it. So I make myself get on the submarine. I make myself get on the plane. I haven't had this crazy anxiety that shut me down before like I saw my wife struggle with. So if we struggle, does it mean that we don't have faith? If we're falling apart in this battle, does it mean that we're weak or we're lacking? And I guess what I would say for you, Trey, to those who are still new to this or have been you know, disabled in a sense, thinking this is what would you begin to do practically when you woke up at four in the morning? There's me snoring away or the kids and the cats and dogs are in the bed. You can't sleep for three hours. What did you begin to do? How did you look for answers? Well, at first, um, it was hard. Like, I'd wake up, and I would just wake up to my heart racing, and um, 
and kind of not know what to do because you feel like you're dying truly. And, you know, I had gone to the hospital a couple times not understanding what was going on and like my arm would be numb and I would think I had something and I was like, there's definitely something wrong with me. And then they'd, I'd go and they'd be like, no, you're fine. Everything looks good. I mean, I had MRIs. I had so many things because my ears were then beginning to ring. And I mean, it was just literally like a really hard time in my life. Real panic. Real. Yeah. Panic. But I was giving it to myself. And that's just, that's the realness of it. Like I just kept, I couldn't stop thinking about how scary those feelings were. So then I would just keep getting them. Well, your ears did ring. Yeah. Times of vertigo. You got stressed. Which all sadly is a cause like, if I, you know, someone asked like, what came first, the ringing or the, the anxiety? And it's like, well, the anxiety, I really believe brought on so much of all of these problems. And, you know, when they say stress kills, mm-hmm. then that made me stressed out. So then I was like, okay, I just need to relax. So when I'd wake up, I'd be like, okay, I would try and read and I'd try and pray. And I'm like, I'm believing in the scriptures. I'm reading them. Like he cares, cast my fears on him. And I'm reading, I'm reading. You know, I couldn't get my mind to turn off. And so um, I thought if I played a game, so I would get on my iPhone and I would just play, I remember this game, Subway Surfers. And I would just sit there and I would just play it. It would be like two hours gone by. And finally I would start to feel calm again. Um, (laughs) Did you complete the game or no? You got the highest score ever? I was like a master at it. Um, but, um, but then I still wasn't, I wasn't at a place. I was just, I was like, God, fix this, fix this, make this go away. And if it wasn't going, I was like, okay, you're not helping me. And I was getting frustrated. Because you went searching the scriptures to say, show me how this is in the life of Elijah or Job or Moses or someone. Cause it's there. We see it. And I remember her just feeling stressed, but what Christians don't believe and understand, I even hear about is that Charles Spurgeon struggled with this. Martin Luther struggled with this. A lot of people that I really respect and love and care for absolutely struggle with this, where if they went plugged in somewhere, their lives would be falling apart. I know I shared it on my friend's podcast as well, but over $100 billion a year is lost because people don't go to work because of stress and anxiety. That's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. It's very crazy. I seen a Bill Murray quote today that said all these people that are on social media are walking in more stress and anxiety because now we're all competing for everyone's lives. So this is everywhere they're saying over 300 million prescriptions are available out there for such issues kimberly dawn hobson has asked that perhaps our talking about how anxiety is not just worrying about stuff but comes on for reasons that aren't always apparent similar to depression is this just being sad or is it a chemical imbalance and this is of course what we need to talk about Mm -hmm. there's anxiety in a situation where my wife was in a submarine we miscarried there was a lot of trauma you talk about midlife crisis, quarter life crisis. This is a real thing. But also, we're living in a cursed world. We are fallen. There are chemical imbalances, bipolar, there's schizophrenia. These are real conditions that I would say go to your doctor like my wife did. But she went to four or five different doctors, asked many different questions. And sadly, most of them gave very, very different answers. Mm-hmm. Most of them said, you have to eat loads more steak or don't eat any meat. Well, let's feed you, you know, this medication. And my wife's someone that doesn't drink coffee, doesn't take any kind of pill, completely vegan, healthy lifestyle that has actually helped all of this. So what would you say to someone that's, that's struggling with this? I think this actually is a really important question because it's easy for someone to say, oh, you just stop worrying or, you know, take the stress out of your life or, you know, just don't hang out with that person or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But that's just not, 
that's not always the cause of it. Sometimes it is a real, like we said, a chemical imbalance. And, and it could even be a deficiency. Like, so for me, I had gone to a bunch of doctors, um, had scans and everything, and, um, and everything, everything looked good. I was completely healthy and fine. And in the end, um, I went to a naturopath that I see now, and um, she talked to me about something called adrenal fatigue. And the adrenals sit on the, the, the top of your kidneys, and there's something that they're the tiniest little thing gland in your body, but they're like the most important gland in your body because they control like your stress hormones and um, your cortisol levels and just a, a host of things that if they're if they're out of balance, I mean, it could create a lot of problems in you that, you know, you don't necessarily have to take um, the prescriptions that the doctors want to give you that will just numb you and actually not help the problem. You just sedate you more. No, I mean, obviously I get some people take them and that's, you know, they need to and that's, that's okay. Um, but I would say just for like a season, but um in the end, I think that um, me, I'd always eaten really healthy, but um, I had to take it even to like another level of healthiness of like, um, I, w- I began to eat really clean, like unprocessed, organic, super, super clean eating, I call it, mm-hmm. um, and plant-based only. And I did notice like a big change in um and just understanding that there's actually something happened, like probably hormonally in my body when I ended up, when I was pregnant. And then when I miscarried, because we miscarried at four months along and they found nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with the baby. There was nothing wrong with me. Um, everything looked really good, but they're just like, I'm so sorry. There's no explanation that they're probably, and they said that you'd probably like us to tell you something was wrong. So some kind of closure. So you can have closure, but unfortunately we don't have that. So in the end, um, I have to believe that obviously God knew and has the, the best and ultimate greatest plan for our lives. So mm-hmm. I trust him in that. But then I know that just something was off, like something hormonally was off. And so when my hormones tried to get back to normal after miscarrying, it just, you know, something that some, the, like my wiring basically mm-hmm. was just off. And, um, so here I am now and I'm obviously, I mean, it's not something I'm completely healed from, but, um, I feel like that eating and changing my diet and understanding deficiencies, even in iron and B12, those were something that play a huge part in, um, those, those feelings of stress and anxiety and brain fog and, uh, and a list of other things. If you look them up about being deficient in certain minerals that they can cause these feelings. And I guess to kind of take direction a bit deeper because we are talking about you know scripture god's word some people will say well where is this in scripture where do we find it in god's word and we have to remember that the word is a lamp unto our feet none of this surprised god god wasn't like oh wow these guys miscarried brian's mom passed away she's stressed and anxious what am i gonna do so we have to say okay then for the foolishness podcast where do we see depression or anxiety or any of this in the bible and I guess if you're familiar with the very famous story of Luke 10, this is where Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house. He shows up to their house, Jesus, the Savior of the world, and he enters their house, and we find two situations. One of them is stressed, anxious. She's all over the place. This is Martha. And if you recall, Jesus tells her, Martha, Martha. 
what he's saying is you are distracted, you are worried, and he uses two words there in the Greek, merimano, and he uses the word perispato. And what he's saying is, Martha, I'm showing up to your house. I'm the savior of the world. I'm hanging out with you and your sister Mary today, but you are distracted, you are anxious. And the definition is this. Your thoughts are divided, they're fragmented, there's instability, you can't focus, you can't stay calm, fueled fears are within you, there's thoughts and doubts, you can't hold fast to the path, that's a definition. But what he says to her is, but Mary has chosen the one thing that is needed. This is going to be hard for some of you to hear. All that Mary did was said, this is Jesus, this is the Lord. And if you notice, Martha actually calls him Lord Curios. But Mary chose to sit at his feet. So no matter what was going on that day, whether it was Martha or Mary that were distracted, falling at the feet of Jesus is what we need to be able to do. Why? Because we're taking thoughts captive, we're putting on the mind of Christ, and we're beginning as believers to say, I need the Lord, which means my wife doesn't need to wake up and for three hours be anxious, stressed, and say, no, Lord, where art thou? Getting old school English. What you need to do and say, you know what? I'm going to dig into the word. I'm going to master the scriptures. The scriptures are going to master me i'm going to press in i'm going to find these verses and before we go into the next part i do want to address something that's very practical yes there's chemical imbalance bipolar schizophrenia but there's also what's known as situational anxiety what that means is some of you are anxious because of your situation if you want to be the next billionaire success guy drive the porsche have all the houses you know what you're probably sleeping less than most people you're chasing money couple hours of sleep maybe not eating good you're going to be stressed if you're in a crazy marriage where you're fighting all the time you're up and down you're probably going to be stressed if something happened to you when you were a kid or someone has sinned against you you might have that stress that depression that anxiety and someone loses a job it doesn't feel good someone gets divorced it doesn't feel good but when they find another spouse the Lord leads them, or when they end up in another job, that changes. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you was, though, is this kind of anxiety is something that wears you down. You feel like there's nothing you can do. And I guess what I want to do by unpacking some of this is to say, in my wife's situation, she had to press in. And for you and I today, I want to just open a few verses to us to help us understand a couple of things that when you were reading the New Testament and when you were applying these verses about anxiety to your life, it's not just because you're anxious. You've got to realize if I was to ask you, why do you think most people in the New Testament are anxious? What would you say? Was it because they miscarried possibly? Was it because they didn't get the car they want or they got kicked out of school or their spouse dumped them? Is that the situation? We have to realize that back then they walk with Jesus. They thought they were taking over Rome. Jesus was feeding the 5,000, putting coins out of fish's mouth. I mean, he was the Messiah right there in front of them. And suddenly he's captured, he's persecuted, he's killed, he resurrects, and he takes off into heaven. So here's all the apostles for a season, freak out i mean all of them were going to be captured and killed except for john for 300 years the church would be persecuted i mean they were fed to the lions they were strung up they were set on fire this is the kind of crazy anxiety that we see to early believers and here's some of the things jesus spoke to the poor and those without in that day matthew 6 25 apply it to your life i tell you brian tracy whoever's listening don't be anxious about your life what you will eat or drink about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the beds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in bonds but yet your heavenly father feeds them all are you not of more value than they and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your life 
Why are you anxious about clothing? I mean, think about that. We get anxious when we're done with church about where we're going to eat. If the kind of clothes we're going to wear are the right kind of clothes and they fit the event and they fit whatever. These people are actually anxious because they don't have food and they don't have clothing. He says in verse 30 of Matthew 6, If God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive but tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, let me ask you. To my wife, to me, to whoever you are, is God going to clothe you? Therefore, verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, your translation might say Gentiles, seek after all these things. You see, the pagans of that day didn't know God. They were Gentiles that degree. They didn't have faith. They didn't understand. So they didn't walk with God. They worried about so many of these things. And I've got to think as a father, we're in my home. I want to provide for my family. I want to be able to provide for my wife a car and food for my kids and clothing. Do you think I come close to God in heaven wanting to provide for you and I? No way. Not 1% of who he is. Yet here's our provider. The pagans were worried about all these things because they didn't know God. And what's amazing is the Bible reveals him to us as our heavenly father, not just God. He goes on and says, your heavenly father, and this is to you who are anxious and struggling. He knows that you need all these things. But verse 33, here's what you can do. Like my wife did at 3 a.m. in the morning, like she did for months to figure out where she was in her faith. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't just read it. Actually apply it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Babe, what did this mean to you when you said, I need to seek this daily, not just have my husband send me five verses, not just to read a little devotion. What am I going to change that's different? Yeah, I think this is what, um, and through it all, and when I look at all of it that I've been through, I see God in all of it, and I just say, wow, like basically before I even felt anxious, or even understanding what anxiety was. Um, like, my life was perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have any worries. I um, got up and homeschooled my kids, and we have a house. We have food on the table always. And um, just in that, just I'm just so busy all the time, and I know I just... So at night, I'm like, okay, check. I'll do my... I do my Bible study on my phone, and it's just all... It was all very um, structured, complacent, I guess. Complacent, yeah, just, just going through. Yeah, super complacent. But we were at events, loving people, hanging yeah, out with I Christians, mean, doing, serving. Doing but there was the no typical challenge Christian to life. life. Like, yeah. I'm a Christian, and this is my life, and it's, it's a good life. But I feel like um, I really wasn't, I don't know, like digging deep with him like I was very like you said complacent it wasn't a dependency on him That's every it. day I wasn't and in I always say for my for me I'm wholly surrendered but I really wasn't and in this um I just kept reading about Paul and it just I know a lot of people who have um ailments or whatever stuff going on that that's someone they relate to but for some reason it just kept coming back to me and I that's like the scripture I kept going back to and, in Second Corinthians, yes, and Second Corinthians twelve, when um, Paul has asked like three times and like pleading with the Lord to take it away from him, and that's who I felt like. I was like, God, please, like I don't want to feel this anymore. Like I just want this feeling to go away. I want to sleep at night. I just, I used to look at people and be like, Wow, they probably sleep really well at night, or Wow, these people have no idea like what I'm <laughs> feeling. And I was like, I was. Coveting coveting. People's sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh, no. I was coveting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, but I was just like, 
it was real. Like I would just be like, wow, those people don't hear ringing or whatever it is. And she would ask me all the time, do you hear that ringing? Do you hear that? Baby, it's the fridge. <laughs> Baby, it's across. Do you hear this ringing? And I was like, I hear the ringing. Okay, good. Okay. So, but then when I would read it, it he said, um, <laughs> and Paul said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness, in perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more go- all gladly the more. about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults and in hardships and persecutions in difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. And I just would be like, wow, like, I mean, what Jesus did for us. I mean, I know is he, he sweat blood. So that is beyond any anxiety. Never I could even comprehend. So I began to say, he what he did for us is so much more than I can even comprehend or fathom. And I was just like, this is like a this if this is my burden, if this is the cross I carry, mm-hmm. and if this if if this is my weakness, but he's made so strong in it, then I'm like, you know what? I'll do it. And that's when I kind of took it on as like And Paul said sh- he'll boast. Yeah, boast and it. that's what I'm saying. Like you have I, a ministry in a sense yeah. by now with all these moments because on the I beach never, I never really could. <laughs> I feel like I was raised, as, you know, in a good home. I never did anything bad. I wasn't. I never did drugs or drank. Or, she was still a sinner, but yeah, she had a good yeah, life. Yeah, of course. I mean, I just meant like I never had a story. <laughs> I was always like, wow, I've had a pretty boring life. Everyone's like had something crazy happen, and we don't know what Paul's, what Paul's struggle was. No. Was it his eyesight? Was it his wife was it those in the church so i think that's telling people whatever your struggle may be no exactly it just made me so much more dependent on him what i say is it just brought me to my knees and it literally brings me to my knees daily Mm -hmm. um and i feel like i thank him now i'm like wow like if you didn't give me this feeling then i wouldn't be where i am today Mm -hmm. in, in my relationship with him and um a peace that even when i feel anxious or stressed i'm like God, like there's another scripture I really love. Um, and it's in Isaiah 41. Um, and he says, for I am the Lord, your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. So now I just say, God, like, I know you're holding my hand. I know you're with me. And sometimes it might not feel like he is, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, he's there and he's teaching you. That's real faith. Yeah. When you can't always feel, it's not always emotion. It's trusting. And and it's crazy. Even that picture you're saying in this verse, that's a picture of a father. And many say, we don't always see God as a father in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And even the idea of his right hand is Jesus. No, like saying, Abba, Father, like, that's it. He's holding my hand in my struggles. Um, in my fears, um, Takes in faith. my sleepless nights, sometimes like, you know, I just feel like this mm. is it, like this is it. And I've had friends, um, uh, a friend pass away, you know, not too long ago. And I think God, like, I have to be thankful for what you've given us. Like if this is, if th- I can handle this, like this is, this is nothing. Um, I look at my kids and I just feel blessed now. I'm just like. 
I'm I don't know. I feel like I could conquer you. so much more knowing that um, that he te- he gives me these scriptures, and it, I wasn't re- like so. What I said before, when I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I would read, and I just wanted him to take it away, and it's like, okay, make this go away. And I would just read the scripture and be like, okay, God, you said that you cast all your fears on you, but it wasn't really. It wasn't with faith, and it wasn't with true understanding of who he is. And how much he loves us. And even, you know, like you said, we will have troubles. So, um, yeah, I thank him. And even what you're saying, and even what you're saying, it's true because in this verse he says, don't worry about food or clothing. But the reality is Christians have died for lack of food. Christians have died for lack of clothing. And some of the people have asked questions and say, well, is God going to provide? Here's the thing, guys, and some of you are not going to like this. My wife didn't want to hear this is that we could pass away tonight. Our kids could be left without parents. We don't get to control that. God knows what's best. We are living in a fallen world, but Christians have died around the world who've starved. They've died without food. What the Bible really teaches is that you and I are as workmanship and we are invincible till the time we are taken. That's the reality. In this passage I just read, what we're talking about is the birds who are being fed by God. But think about the birds. What do the birds do? Do the birds just sit in the tree and open up their mouth and wait for worms to fall out the sky? They don't. They are busy about the business they were made for. They are birds. And you and me are Christians and we're called to go and be his workmanship. I mean, he goes on in this verse and he says in verse 34, and this is going to be hard for some of you. Therefore, Tracy, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Why not, God? Many questions. Does God want us to be anxious? No, but you're living in a cursed world. Can God take your anxiety away? So many people right now are probably saying, Tracy needs to have faith. If you went to this kind of church, God would deliver you from it. But I need to tell you, God never delivered Paul. And even this verse proves the point. In verse 34, it says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will what? Be anxious for itself. Guys, is there going to be anxiety tomorrow? Yes. If it's situational or not, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Remember, he's telling the disciples they'd be put to death. They'd be hated that tomorrow will have its own trouble. My buddy John Merritt says, why doesn't God take these feelings away? And a question he asked us, he can. But tomorrow's going to have its own bills. It's going to have its own death. It's going to have its own struggles. And Ben Kirchner asked the question, why do these feelings seem to feel more powerful and real than God at times? And the answer is because God's invisible. I don't feel God in this room, but I know God's in this room. I don't always feel that mountaintop experience with God. Elijah was hiding in the bushes and God's telling him, what are you doing? Do you trust in me or not? The Bible says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. I can be going through chaos in my life, but when my kids come home and they sit up on my lap or everything's good between me and my wife, you know, we have crazy seasons as well. I mean, we've already been divorced years ago, remarried, thank you, Jesus. But to know that we're in the same place together, that's how we've got to be able to trust the Lord. And this is the idea. Theologically, you have to realize God has called us to be his ministers, his witnesses. We're called to die to self, pick up our cross and follow him. And there's a question here by Cindy Morrison. She says, is our anxiety a lack of complete trust in God's plan for us? Is it lack of seeking him daily or maybe even understanding how to see him in order for us to be filled with his peace? So think about it. 
we just were able to dig into that verse and what that verse said to me, to Tracy, to Cindy, who's actually a friend of ours from church, is Cindy, what God's saying is tomorrow will bring its own anxiety. But what I need you to do today is to be your husband's spouse. I need you to be the children's mother. What I need you to do today is to trust me with all that I have given you to do. And that's where your peace is. It isn't because the car is running because enough money in the bank. I'm not here living for me. I want to live for him. So it's not a lack of trust. It's that anxiety is a part of our walk. And you've got to think back. Pastors used to once worry that what? Homes would be invaded. I mean, here are we having a podcast talking about Jesus. 2,000 years ago, our door could be kicked in. Our kids could be taken. Sadly, people could be raped. Our heads could be cut off. I mean, this is the reality of the world we'd be thinking. But today, our issues are, am I coffee cold? Do people think my podcast is relevant? I mean, who really cares if it doesn't come down to who Jesus really is? I go on mission trips. I get to book the flight generally. I get to have Starbucks in the airport. I get to bring loads of bags to people and hopefully bless them and sometimes have a place to surf or we go and sightsee. And I mean, no one has really ever came into my life to kill me. Though they've threatened me, people have pulled knives, said crazy stuff for the gospel. I've never really felt like I was getting attacked for the kingdom. And some of you are saying, well, Brian, that just isn't today. We don't have that kind of anxiety in the West. And while that's true... I pulled up a couple of things for you to hear about a ministry called Open Doors. And this is what they said. They ranked the top 50 countries around the world where it's the most dangerous to live if you follow Jesus. Over 215 million Christians. I speculate because they've got a good council with about 210 million. About 215 million Christians right now, right now, while you're hearing this, experience high or very high, even extreme levels of persecution. That means for every 1 in 12 people in your church, it is illegal, forbidden, or punishable by jail or death. That means that as I finish 2018, sending out my updates and saying, guys, can you help support what we're doing next year? Hey, can you you know, go on this trip with me or do this or donate Bibles and the rest of it? These people were dying in the name of Jesus, entering eternity. Why? For Jesus. That means when you consider what anxiety is to the early church, it's very different than today. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who kill your body. Honestly, guys, I'm not. No one's tried to kill my body necessarily. A couple of people pulled knives and got mad. No big deal. But no one's really tried to kill me for being a Christian. What about you? Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy your soul and body in hell. That's some perspective. Matthew 10, 29, on our two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground. Listen to me, guys, outside of your father's care. He doesn't say they'll never fall. He says they will not fall to the ground until it is the day it needs to happen. Tracy Sumner will die exactly when she's going to. Brian Sumner will die exactly when he's going to. The Bible says Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He doesn't say that sparrows will fall apart from the Lord. God knows. And he says in verse 30, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Mm -hmm. What are you guys afraid of? Are you afraid of cancer, of people, of pain, of death, of suffering, even anxiety? I love that my wife's saying this because, yes, she's still anxious. I've noticed myself more anxious at times. I, I really powerful in the Lord, meaning this man trusts the Lord, would die for his faith. Minister's been going to England for over a decade, stopped me on a recent trip and said, Brian, out of nowhere, I began to get anxious. Out of nowhere, I began to stress and struggle, and I had to go to those verses about Paul. And here's the bigger picture. 
The reason God calls us not to be anxious is because God is the one who woke me up this morning. And if God woke me up this morning, it's his responsibility to provide what I need to be his workmanship and do what I'm called to do. I know a friend of mine from a church years ago just sent in a message about a, a question from Lucas Davis. What does he say, babe? He says, if we're anxious, are we not walking in the spirit? Should we be absolutely free of anxiety once we're in him? And I would say this. This is going to challenge some of you. I would say, yes, aim to live completely free of anxiety only because the verses we're going to go to in a moment about First Peter 5 but you're always in the spirit in the sense that you can't even confess Jesus as Lord unless you have the Holy Spirit. So all believers actually have the Holy Spirit. The walking in the spirit part is the fruit of him who now lives inside of us. A good tree bears good fruit. So for my wife, she need only say, Lord, I need you. I need your word. I'm going to worship. Sure, she played that safe game to take her mind off stuff. But a better thing is to press into him because we have the Holy Spirit. But like in the Old Testament, you were anointed with oil. That oil signified you were chosen of the Lord, set apart by the Lord. How much word I put in me, it's going to speak to me. How much I press into God in prayer and serving him, it's going to minister to me as much to other people. So I would say you're always in the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. But I would say walk in the Spirit in greater ways by constantly giving it over to him daily. He says, which of you being anxious can add to your life? Mm -hmm. No one can. My son's out right now driving on Huntington, this crazy drive. Is, am I anxious? Lord, I hope nothing happens for him. No, but Lord, take care of him. It's appointed him to die once and then judgment. He's in you. That's the reality. Christianity is not new ageism. It isn't positive thinking. We can't make things happen. God is the one who's in control. But here's the reality. To be fair, we're not being persecuted. But as much as their faith was dying for their Savior, dying for Jesus, saying, I'm willing to die for you. Thank you for what you did. I'm willing to be persecuted. You and I, in the midst of our anxiety, is a big witness. Living in California, Huntington Beach, Newport, Long Beach, and all these places, everyone's caught up with their idols and money and all these things. So for someone like my wife to say, here's what I struggle with, here's my anxiety, and to be willing to share that with other people, Acts 1.8 does say that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's Orange County. And so now for my wife, whoever she interacts, the Bible never tells her to run from her anxiety. It never tells her to ignore it, to deny it. What does it tell her to do? First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Baby, you want to read that verse? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And he says in verse 6, what does he say prior to that? And he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And that's when he says casting. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is, cast all your cares on me. But right before that, you know what he says? Humble yourself. Mm -hmm. My wife got humbled, not because she's prideful. I believe she walked with the Lord. God could have used many things. But you know what? My mom passed away. She miscarried. For those of you driving that car or sitting in bed or freaking out right now, you're going through life. It's crazy. This is exactly why Jesus came to die, not only redeem us, but to help us get through this life. John 10, 10 does say we can have an abundant life. And I'm not talking about materialism. I'm talking about walking with him. Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And the verse goes on. It has appeared in some translations that isn't really there in the original text, comma, Cast all your anxieties on him. And this word casting implies 
casting something away, setting it apart. They're saying the next generation is so anxious. And you know why? Because they can't receive correction. They said American youth is freaking out. You know why? Very self-entitled, very caught up in what they're doing. They want to fight everyone. They're aggro. They want everything their way. They're not humbly coming to anyone and asking for help. They're making demands. Our politics are all over the place. And see what he's saying is your anxiety is often rooted in you trying to handle it by yourself or make life the way you want. But last time I checked, you didn't go to the cross for me, nor did I for myself. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. It's the Lord who directs our plans. And Pablo Bonasakik, he says, how do we cope with anxiety? Here's something that's blatant that you might not have realized, but how did my wife even know she was anxious? Well, because her body was sending her signals. What I believe can happen is your body is sending you signals that you've got to change something or get help, whatever it may be, but you might be overlooking this. What I mean is you're not anxious because of anxiety. You're not stressed because of stress. There's a cause. You get toothache. How do you know why? It hurts. So what do you do with that anxiety? What do you do with that stress? What do you do with everything? Do you bring it? I'm not talking about fear, guys. Fear is a reaction. If there was a spider right now in front of us, my wife would react in fear and take off. If the lights went out, my kids in the other room playing with the dogs, they'd probably run in here. Pain is practical, but when we don't deal with this pain, this fear, it can become anxiety. It can become stress. And some of you are saying, well, man, did Jesus ever go through this? And my wife alluded to it earlier, Jesus sweating blood. But many of us often overlook just what Jesus went through. He was in the garden in Matthew 26. The Bible says he took with him Peter and both James and John. And the Bible says Jesus, our Savior, began to be sorrowful. This is grief. He was troubled. This is the strongest of the three Greek words for troubled, distressed, anguished. And he even said to them, my soul is sorrowful even to death. When Tracy and I were divorced, we didn't know the Lord. I felt this kind of pain. Was it to the point of death? It felt like it. But it says in verse 39, Jesus went on farther and he fell on his face and prayed. Guys, you need to realize that Jesus swept blood for you and me. I've never met another human being that has ever swept blood. Why did he do it? He did it for us. It says he fell on his face and prayed. He fell on his face for you and I and he said, God, Father in heaven, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, not my will but yours be done. He wasn't saying, let some other way be possible. He's saying, is there any other way? No, there's not. I need to go to the cross. I need to take Brian's sin and Tracy's sin and Isaac's sin and everyone's sin. It needs to go up on the cross. Jesus was willing to go through this in the flesh because of what would be birthed in the spirit. And likewise on this earth, guys, I'm sorry to say, but your flesh is under the curse. No matter what hokey pokey teaching they're giving you, men were going to work hard by the sweat of our brow. Ladies, there was going to be some pain in childbirth. Amen. This is the reality. The New Testament continually says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? Because when there's fear, it leads to anxiety. And anxiety truly wins when we are silenced. And I want to wrap it up in just a few verses. But what do we do then? Peter's told us to cast all of our anxiety on him. And if you really want to know how to deal with this, sure, maybe go get a doctor. Sure, maybe go talk to different people. Change your diet. It could be bipolar. It could be schizophrenia. But if some of you here are struggling, you might just have to accept the world we're in and realize you are here to walk with Jesus and you do have victory. But it takes simply trusting him daily, 
listening to what he's saying and being willing to face whatever happens in the flesh. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you know this verse. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Don't be anxious. You can't change anything. But isn't tomorrow going to bring us on anxiety? Yeah, but the second it does, cast it away. But in everything by what? Prayer. How much are you anxious as opposed to how much are you in prayer? Do you get anxious about it more or do you pray about it more? Because I'm willing to say most of us get anxious and worry before we even pray. Prayer isn't a last resort. It should be the first thing we do. He says, be anxious about nothing but in everything by prayer and a word we don't use often today and supplication. This is the need and the want, the petitioning, the knocking, Lord, be with me. Help me through this. Paul was taken into the third heaven. He was standing before God. He was pleading with him and God said, my grace is sufficient. Do you believe his grace is enough? And in that, are you going to boast all the more? Don't be anxious, but pray in supplication, petition God. Do it with thanksgiving, he says, and let your request be made known to God. And look what he says in verse 7. As you do this, this is what you need to hear. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, I want to tell you something. You may not realize this. I didn't realize this until I began to dig into this for my wife. There's two kinds of peace from God in the Bible. There's peace with God that you find in Romans. I'm dead in sin, don't know Jesus. I have no peace with God. I'm now forgiven, born again, regenerate, washed in the blood of Jesus, hidden in Christ. I now have peace with God. If I drop dead, I'm good to go with God. I'm in heaven, walking with him for eternity. But there's also the peace of God. You can have peace with God, but not walk in the peace of God. My wife had peace with God. She was a Christian, but she didn't have the peace of God. She didn't stand on those promises. She believed loads of them. She trusted them. But when this issue was addressed, she had to take it. And the peace of God, he says, will surpass all understanding. Not what you think it will be like, but what God needs for you to understand. It will guard your hearts, your minds in Jesus. Here's the reality. We live in a way where you and here to follow him, fish for men, love our spouses, raise up our kids. And if it's a podcast, do it to the glory of God. If it's skateboarding, if it's skiing, if it's whatever you want to do, nutrition, accounting, do it for Jesus. But we need to be able to see there's a real enemy in this world. Our flesh is under the curse, but we have the spirit of God. Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, O Lord. In you whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid, for walk in the flesh do to me. Our issue isn't an anxiety issue. If that's there, so be it. But it's a God issue. Think about it. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, you can finish it for me. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will what? And you all said it. I'll fear no evil. Why won't you fear evil? Because you're a pastor? Because your name's on the Bible? Because you could preach a better podcast than this or know and understand God greater than my wife. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with us. You don't need closure in the flesh. You get something better. His name's Jesus. You are with me. When Peter was sinking, he wasn't sunk. When the lion was prowling, they went devoured. What if today we humbly brought our issues, our struggles, our fears, doubts, stresses all to the Lord and humbly said, Lord, we are casting them on you. 
When I wake up tomorrow, my spouse doesn't get it. My boss doesn't get it. When I don't get it, you know what, Lord? I'm trusting you. I'm seeking first the kingdom anyway. So many of us in America, and we're going to do this in a future podcast, we're not even trying to live the gospel. We've thought a church is a place to get fed so we can sit and get fat when Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit and called us to go so we can get out and feed others and make disciples. We're waiting so much on the Holy Spirit to come, but he already arrived 2,000 years ago, and he's eager to use us. The harvest is ripe, but are you a laborer? Seek first the kingdom, follow him, be the sheep. What do you need to ask God for in prayer today? What do you need to release? Who do you need to release? Who do you need to forgive or go and ask forgiveness with? Where do you need to have faith? Where do you need to trust? Where do you need to be humble? Where do you maybe even need to repent? Guys, I want to tell you, we could have gone into the life of Elijah, but we will another time. But your life, your Christianity is a journey, and you were purchased with the blood of Jesus. If you have been forgiven, repented, he saved you from your sin. What you're facing right now, as my wife said, God wants to use to bring him glory. I speak life to your situation. If it's there tomorrow, so be it. We're going to boast all the more. It's all about his perspective. Think about Jesus' execution. Yeah, it was gruesome and grotesque and wicked, but it was also where he was exalted and lifted up and glorified. Are you waiting for your circumstances to change before you have peace? Are you waiting for your life to change before you walk in joy? You see, we've been forgiven and we now have peace with God and you need to realize you can walk in the peace of God. Guys, we're almost at just over an hour, babe. Do you want to say anything to anyone? Um, No, I'm just super thankful to be here and to be able to um, share on something that is very personal to me. And just know that if, you, if this is something you are struggling with, um, just don't keep it inside. Don't don't feel like you're alone and isolated in it. Just um, share share with somebody. And um, I don't know. I feel like um, that in itself is just such a huge release, mm-hmm. and it's it just it releases a burden that you've been carrying that God just doesn't want you to be. He doesn't want you to be carrying something like that. So like when we talked about casting, putting, casting these things on him mm-hmm. and just obviously give it to God, but also just open up to somebody mm. about it. That's what we were made for yeah. in Genesis to walk with him in life to walk with him. I mean, my wife began to unpack it and she was very blessed by loving and caring women. Helped me understand some of the guys here who help and produce same situations with their wives. But guys... This is Brian Sumner and Tracy Sumner. Uh, we love you. Uh, please message us, email us, briansumner.net. I spend the majority of my time around the world doing whatsoever, focused on missions, marriages, and ministry. If you want to hear more, go to the website. Let us know what God is doing in your life. God bless you guys. Be anxious for nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This has been brought to you by the One Story Podcast.